Okay, we are recording. Cool. Now I have to clear my throat, of course, because I've started recording. <coughs> I just realized I didn't do my update from last week. So. You didn't? Well, that's okay. I'll put some lip balm on very slowly. I can do it right now. It's not oh, much, so... <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to season two, episode 15 of Belgariad and Beyond, the show where we explore magical reality through fiction, chapter by chapter. And we've begun with the Belgariad series of books by <laughs> David Ennix. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, Flower. This is not your introduction. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's staying oh. in the show. That's staying in the show. <laughs> <laughs> this season, we're reading book two, Queen of Sorcery. And today we're diving into chapter 14. <laughs> I am Sandra Turnbull from the Goddess Kindled Universe, and I'm here with Alicia and a lovely flower. Hi, sweetheart. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> yeah, she um, had to contribute, I guess. She She's like, usually... I am always here in the background. <laughs> it's time for me to voice myself. Yeah, she doesn't um, usually come into right at the end. I know. I know. There's a lot going on right now, too, and I hope it doesn't pick up on my end, but like, my neighbor up in their cul-de-sac here she's having them like destroy her tree or something so they have that oh. big machine that like and they feed oh. the trunk into it so there's moments where it gets real loud behind me and I'm like I hope the microphone's not gonna pick it up right now oh. it's not going We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So she might be a little more barky this guy, this episode. Okay. Yeah, I would be barky too if they're chopping up a tree right <laughs> near me, sweetheart. Don't you worry. Yeah. So, how is your week? Tell me what's in your cup. This is Polgara's Cup. For any new listeners, this is the first segment of the show called Polgara's Cup, where we talk about the potions in our cups, which is basically us catching up on our week and talking about what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's but- one of my favorite favorite uh, segments <laughs> um i my cup i put a cool lavender tea because compared to the last time we spoke i'm feeling a lot better <laughs> than i was so it has been like a mellow week of reflection and i also started outlining the third novel in the raven dream series so that Exciting. yeah that helped kind of lift me up a little bit and then just as of this morning, it's been finalized that the, my nonfiction book is being sent off to the printer and it's going to be published uh, mm-hmm. as soon as the approval is, is complete with make sure it's all ready to print and stuff. So I imagine it's going to be within a week would be my guess. Was there much editing required? No, because... It was so natural for me to write this book. Um, It just kind of came, it was almost like one of those experiences where you're being guided as you're writing. Mm -hmm. Like there's 
you can feel something working through you. It's not even like it's your words necessarily. You're kind of just transmitting the yeah. information. I'm, and so I'm it sorry. felt like that. Go I'm ahead. interested to see. Uh, I want you to read it. The first, like, to read it through. And I want to get your reaction to that because chances are you won't remember what you wrote because of the way it came through mm-hmm. and it will be like reading someone else's work. Yeah. So I'm really interested to know how that goes for you. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, I did some uh, run-throughs myself after just to make sure that there were no little errors and typos and all that. But I didn't think there was even any need for editing on this. Like it just, you know, it's nonfiction. I know the flow I wanted it to feel like. I just wanted it to be casual mm-hmm. and and really concise and informative, but extremely uplifting and inspiring. Oh, so you should probably say what book. you should probably say what the book's about and what it's called. Yeah, it's called The Internal Journey of a Writer. And it's my process of writing novels. It's very inward focused. Or I, I feel like still even now, um, when you set out to start to write a novel, you have no idea what you're doing. And you start to do these Google searches and researching, how do I write a novel? How do I do this? And then you start getting in this place of overwhelm and self-doubt. At least that's where I went. It's like a spiral through this black hole of like, how am I supposed to do this? I'm not good enough to do this. And all these opinions of others start to weigh you down more. And so it took me a long time to get past that and figure out my own, how I was doing it on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's an inward journey. It's all about everything you need is already inside of you. And so I guide people. It starts, the first half of the book is purely of like sharing my story and then also how it relates to what I'm teaching and then the second half is what I used to work with on cl- well, clients on writing their novel. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. The process of how to pull it from within. You know, you get your characters, your setting, your storyline, all of it just from within you. And once you have that, once you're in a secure place within of, of confidence and knowing what you want to write, if you really feel you need to for certain aspects to go get some advice on the specific thing, you already know what you're looking for. It's not an overwhelm. It's like, okay. I'm just going to look up this specific thing and then I'm done and, and you, you know, go back to your working from within process. So if people want to know when it's available for sale, where can they go? So it's going to be balboapress.com is the main site I would send people to uh, once it's published. I don't have a, a date yet. Like, okay, well, stay tuned, folks. We'll let you know when it's released for sale. But because I also have it up on my website, of course. So um, okay, well, it, your all of Alicia's details are on the Belgarde and Beyond website, so you can find yeah. um, you can find sort of winnow your way through to Alicia's website. Yeah. Hey, so that's been a fun week of book stuff, I guess. No. <laughs> cool i'm just sipping my chamomile tea mm-hmm. which is not my potion you want to know what my potion is this week definitely fucking everything in the kitchen sink in my potion this week so 
<laughs> it's fizzy with an iron tang and a bittersweet finish. Okay. Okay. Because last Friday, the day after the last time you listened to us, dear listeners, we took our house guest to uh, the Efteling. The Efteling is a huge, huge, huge theme park here in the Netherlands. It's awesome. It's amazing. It has rides. It has like the best rides and roller coasters and stuff and a fairy tale forest. And it was just, we had such a good day. And the weather was perfect and it was bloody cold, but it was sunny. So that's my fizzy. And then, then I got a boo boo on my finger. I was just happily chopping the veggies, chopping the veggies, chopping the veggies. It was cabbage. You know, got my big chef's knife out, you know, the big thick one that looks like a bit of a wedge. And I'm rocking the heel of the knife, rock, 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 rock. And then someone walked into the kitchen and I started talking to them. And I was, you know, happily rock, rock, rocking. And I'm looking down and I watched myself slice into the bed of my finger. I watched myself do it. How does the person do that? So I put the knife down immediately thinking, hmm, that's not good. I grabbed my finger. And I just left the person in the kitchen, our guest, and ran upstairs to find a Band-Aid. Because, you know, it's a nice sharp knife. And I'd put, I'd sort of grabbed it. You know when you slice something when it's a really sharp knife and it doesn't quite know if it's going to bleed yet? <laughs> yeah. And you don't quite know if you actually cut yourself because it's like a really sharp knife. I, yeah. Well, I was pretty sure I cut myself because, you know, bed of your fingernail. Can't really mistake that. So... I'm making Alicia all cringy. <laughs> so anyway, Ow. I got it. I, I grabbed it. And a lot of the time, if I grab it quick enough and put a Band-Aid on it and just hold it all together and give myself a good zap of Reiki for like, you know, the next few days, it heals really well. And it's, it's doing that. It's healing really well. <laughs> but holy shit. Wow. So that night we had secret ingredient lo mein. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Are you going to throw up? No, I'm not. It reminds me of that um, uh, ah, barber. What's the barber one where they put people's body parts in the pies? I don't, well, I don't know. I haven't seen that one. Is it the barber of brother, but the barber of brother? Oh, that one that Johnny Depp did in the, in the musical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the um, name. Um, the demon barber of yeah, that's what they Baker call Street. him. No, well, I think I'm not... mixing up Sherlock Holmes now. Barber, hold on. I'm looking it up because that's gonna kill me. <laughs> Sweeney Todd. That's the it. I've demon never... barber of Fleet Street. Fleet Street. There we go. See, I was all confused with my English stories. That's okay. I couldn't remember. Either. I used to watch that movie on <laughs> repeat. I've never seen it. Is it good? Uh, it's good. It has good music. I used to be yeah? obsessed with Johnny Depp before he went a little cuckoo. Yeah, that was disappointing. When he was younger, I thought the stuff when he was younger was so good. He is like, he's, so he's just a brilliant actor. He really is just a brilliant actor. Oh, but yeah. I'm still drinking my potion. You want the end Go of ahead. it? Yeah, oh, we're, Go oh, ahead. we're in the dregs of it now. We're into the bittersweet finish. Okay. So today, my youngest daughter 
who lives in Australia, halfway around the world from where I am in the Netherlands. Today she had her formal, her end of high school graduation, like formal dinner, dance, the one they get all dressed up for. Mm -hmm. Oh, getting a bit. And she looked fucking gorgeous. Holy shit. So everyone, I want you just to close your eyes for a moment and imagine Jessica Rabbit. You got her? Mm-hmm. Change the hair from red to brunette. And that was my daughter in the red dress, cross tied at the back, slitted. Mm-hmm. Like she looked stunning. It's like, holy shit, that little person used to be in my belly. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And I just had this like, wow. And I had this photo because her, my older daughter is a hairstylist. And so she did my younger daughter's hair for the event. And she's really talented. And there was this photo of them both together and the younger one towering over the older one, who is not a short girl. Like I am very tall. My older daughter is about the same height as me. And our, the young one, She's taller than both of us now and she had high heels and it just looked like this freaking supermodel. Seriously. Mm. And she was fierce. She had the, like, she was just owning all that shit. It was amazing. I was so like (laughs) in awe, so proud of her. And, you know, so that's the bittersweet. So she's having all of this amazing stuff done. There's all of this, you know, this threshold, she's stepping through these thresholds and going through these end of school rituals Um, which Mm -hmm. I never got to do and I just so wished, I so hoped that my daughters would get to do them. And Alyssa took her own way to where she is now and she didn't do any of these kind of ritual things either, Mm -hmm. but Brooke has. And it's just been amazing to watch her do all of these things. And then on Friday, so two days' time she'll graduate, you know, she'll have her, that's the end of high school then. And, oh, my goodness. So I'm. It's like at the back of all of this is joy, but it's kind of this soft sort of sadness. I can't be there myself to you know pick her up to to pick her up from formal. Her stepmom did that, and her like there's a photo of her and her dad, and he just looks so proud and stunned, like like seriously stunned. Like who is this woman beside me? Who is beautiful? I I bet. The dads always seem to be more in, in like shock of how when they have a daughter, you know? It really is the most <laughs> precious photo I've ever seen of the two of them. <laughs> oh, that's good though. I'm glad she had, I'm sure she had a great oh, time. Oh, she did. She and... called me when she got home. So mm-hmm. I was just, and that's the whole sweet part, like the whole bittersweet part of the whole thing. It's so poignant. So she called me when she got home and she'd had such a marvellous time dancing her ass off with a, after a delicious dinner with all of her friends. And she said, everyone looked so beautiful. Just every single person, mum. We all looked so beautiful. And they Aww. just had so much fun. And she's like getting undressed and taking her makeup off and, you know, un- ungluing the two- double-sided tape because trust me, this dress required double-sided tape, you know, <laughs> from around. And she's sort of peeling herself out of it and while she's talking to me and putting on her soft floppy t-shirt and just, yeah. oh my goodness. So I had such a, 
Yeah, it was a big day. The perfect end of my week. And yeah. I just wanted to tell you all about it because, you know, it's a big deal. <laughs> and I had to share. And my daughter doesn't listen to this podcast, so I probably won't get in trouble for talking about her because <laughs> 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 I get in so much trouble when I brag about my daughters. <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah, especially the younger one. She really, she's really like, Mom, what'd you do? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's normal. That's a normal reaction. Oh, 17, almost 18, 17 and ready to just be amazing for the rest of her life. Yeah. Well, that's good. I'm glad that it all went good for her. I know this has been a really long potion section, but it, you know, I don't care. It's our show and you'll love us because you're here at the, well, this is the 37th show of the podcast. We're into season two and if you're here, you love us. So we love you too. And this is our life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all good. <sighs> yeah. What's next? I'm a bit uh, loopy. Garion's view. So the chapter summary of chapter 14. Mm-hmm. They are taken to count Draver or Dravor, whatever. No, Dravor. It has to be Dravor now because you said that last week and that's what it is. Okay. And they they get there and he seems really kind of loopy, carefree type of person. And then you soon realize that he's like not all there in the head. And his assistant person uh, comes to like handle the group and he's not as friendly sends them to go be locked up in some cells for the night while they figure things out. But of course that doesn't last. They are able to escape with, you know, Silk and the others who have their special skills. And um, that's it. They go off into the night. (laughs) Yes, they do. Okay. So now we go into Wolf's Wisdom, which is where we talk about the chapter in more detail and the story and the characters and all that stuff. Yes, I got to pull my book up. Okay. Okay, So the chapter starts with them like approaching the house. Here's a short description of the house. Seems pretty grand and Mm. neatly kept. But then they quickly go into meet Count Dravor. Mm, yeah, so the um, soldiers sort of take them in. Mm-hmm. And what did you think of Count Travor? Well, uh, I mean, he's described as a thin, vaguely looking man with deep pouches under his eyes. And then he's sprawled on the chair. So I kind of envision like this weak, almost like a weak person who is either very old or is sick in some yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So I think when I first read it, I didn't catch the thin and I just saw him as this kind of, uh, it was almost like I imagined like he's someone who just consumed too much of everything. I was just like f- slobbed out on the, on a chair right. with a, you know, his, they call it a mantle. This, this garment that people wear in Tornedra, 
is a mantle and I see it as like a some like an like a moo-moo kind of thing almost it's <laughs> yeah. flung over the top of of clothes or something that's kind of yeah, loose to, and like wide sleeves I had to pause and wonder what a mantle was because I, I saw it in the last chapter I think it was too and I didn't know and well, I almost I, googled. I almost googled it today. I haven't yet, but I've, I'll I'll have a check and see if there's anything. But that's how I imagine it, like a long yeah. robe, like a loose sort of. Because yeah, they give a little bit of more of a description of it here, so you can kind of visualize what it would be. Yeah, so it's, uh, in, it's pale yeah. rose with silver trim at the hem and around the sleeves. Oh, to indicate his rank. So. So in Nidra, a lot of, yeah, you'll, we come to discover that things are quite um, structured, like really, really structured, and it's very militaristic. So everything is ranked. So, okay, yeah. so maybe it's almost like, like, a, like a uniform. Maybe so. Hmm. And anyway, as soon as he starts to talk, we realize that his voice is slurred and yeah, he doesn't seem to have a, a memory of anything. No, either. has no clue why they're there. Mm -hmm. Why, why <laughs> the, the guy, like the, the soldier who brings them in says, Oh, here are the prisoners. Like here are the prisoners, the ones you ordered arrested. <laughs> and the cow's like, well, I ordered someone arrested. What a remarkable thing for me to do. I wonder why I did that. And he's like, I hope it hasn't inconvenienced you, my friends. It's like, just like totally loopy and out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then uh, somebody, a soldier suggests that why don't you have your steward come and handle this instead? Yes. And he thinks that's a marvelous idea. And then he just like shifts around in his chair and he's like fallen right to sleep. Well, the, yes, but, so the, 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 the steward comes and so so this is our first uh close encounter with nuisance now yeah. if you can remember all the way back to one of the prologues i don't <laughs> okay so they taught the nuisance mm -hmm. are the people who live in nisia my tongue's numb sorry i actually have a numb tongue they're, they live in the jungles, they're the snake people, and they are the people who killed the Reven King way back, way back then. Okay. Okay. Got so it. this is, I think this is the first up-close character we've had who's a nuisance. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. And so the snake people, so they're, they're, the names of the places and the people have lots of hissy sounds in <laughs> mm -hmm. and the way that what do you think of the way that oh, so the steward comes in sorry his name is Idis. so y apostrophe d i double -S, s is his name Idis. what do you think of the way that he's described when he arrives um <laughs> i honestly glazed over this but i have it right here now mm -hmm. it's uh it's a man in an iridescent and intricately embroidered robe. His face is grossly sensual and mm -hmm. his head is shaved. Mm -hmm. So what and does he has that a like, voice. like, just picture that for a minute. Just, oh. What does grossly, like, I think that gross, grossly sensual must be completely different 
inside everyone else's head. This is what I love about reading <laughs> stories and fiction because I don't know what's in your head. You don't know what's in my head. But I bet it's not the same thing. Probably not. <laughs> you look a bit yeah. sick. <laughs> it honest, well, no, I'm just thinking because it reminds me of a combination of two characters in Game of Thrones. Like if you meshed these two together, it would create this guy. <laughs> okay, well, tell, say the characters because other people, unlike me, probably have read or watched the show. It is Lord Varys and Littlefinger. Yeah. I, I really hope this guy lives and finishes the rest of the stories because I do want to read them. It's really, it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, I mean, the bald head is Varys and like the description of the robes. Mm -hmm. But then that grossly sensual look, I just go immediately to Littlefinger. Little he finger. always would just walk around like, like with this expression. That's what I imagine it would be described as. I'm and you just want to slap him. I'm going to find pictures of both these people and put them in the show notes <laughs> side by side. I wonder, yeah. if that, I wonder if I can find a composite program. You know those programs where you put the parents in and it generates the child? Maybe. I wonder if I can find <laughs> one of those be. for free. That would be freaking funny. I'm going to try and do that. Yeah. yeah, that would be worth it. But, yeah, that just kind of that idea. He seems that description gives me the sense that he's kind of just this snaky, wormy, no good kind of. Yep, yep, yep. Very good. You, know, you can't trust him. Oh, definitely not. Anyway, so he just smoothly takes everything over and says, oh, it's fine. It's just a small matter. I'll take care of it. You just don't overtire yourself. And then the Count just, as you said, goes to sleep mm -hmm. in the chair. <laughs> and then, yeah. so he just takes, the, takes our motley crew out, uh, like away, and Silk keeps up the pretense, like uh, he's a Dresnian merchant, blah, blah, blah. And Edith just laughs and says, you know, just cut it out. I know who you are, Prince Keldar. I know who you all are and I know what your mission is. So you tell me what you got out of this and if it made sense, this next bit. Because Mr. Wolf, about so, yeah, so Miss, uh, when Mr. Wolf says, so what's your interest in us, Nason? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he brings up the mistress, uh, Eternal Salmisra. Mm -hmm. And then Aunt Paul calls her the snake woman. Mm -hmm. um, she wants to know if she's become the pawn of the Grolems or does she bow to the will of Zadar now? So that automatically kind of leads you to see that um, because he's serving this woman, Aunt Paul automatically thinks of her as something obviously tied to the evil things mm -hmm. that nothing good is about to happen mm -hmm. because this guy is working for this woman who's his queen. Mm -hmm. So she's queen of the nuisance. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's all I got out of it. Okay. It's very, I think that's pretty good. And then Yudis is like, no, well, she doesn't dance to anyone's tune. She's not working for anyone. She works for herself. And um, everyone's looking for you, but I've found you. So obviously, some Mistra wants, Queen Sol Mistra wants them. And Yudis is going to deliver them. 
Yeah. But there's some tension between Polgara and this guy. I don't even want to try to say his name. So I'm going to just call him this guy. It is. <laughs> he does? Yeah. Because he threatens her. He threatens her by saying, like, if you try any of your magic, I will hurt these people. Take, we don't need all of you. I can kill some of them. And then somebody mm. presses a knife up to Garion's back. Yes. And she's and that's like... She, yeah, she's not having that. No, she gets really... I, I could just I see her in my head, like, drawing herself up and, like, all the cords standing out on her neck and, like, eyes blazing, like she's going to tear him apart. Yeah. But Mr. Wolf is extremely calm in all of this. And he's when just like, he I don't... When is he not? When is he not? <laughs> yeah, that's true. But he's just kind of like, we don't need to threaten each other right now, guys. Let's just move on with what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, and Yudis confirms he's not going to con- turn them over to the Grollums. He's taking them to Sthistor, which is the capital city of Nisa, to Selmistra. And Wolf wants to know what her interest is, what Selmistra's interest is, you know, in the whole of in what they're doing. And Yudis really doesn't know. I think he's he's so he's 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 big with his words. Like I'll let her you know, explain that to you when you get there. But in the meantime, there are some things that I want you to tell me. So he really, I don't think, has any clue why the Queen wants them, but he wants to know. That's what I think. Yeah. And so I think that's why he puts them in the prison, like in the cells, um, and threatens them with torture, you know, Mm -hmm. so that he can get the... get the answers to what he wants to know mm. um yeah i wouldn't have picked up on that at all but that's good it's a good assessment you know it helps well, put perspective on the chapter that's the first time i thought of it just as we were talking right now <laughs> okay that's good <laughs> yeah yeah so he sort of threatens them with torture like the you know the rack and down in the cellars and different torments that he has servants who are highly skilled at applying. And um, Mandrell and sort of like very, um, like, I'm not afraid of you. And then it just starts talking about, yeah, well, you know, you probably don't have enough imagination, but there are lots of little curious berries and plants. And strangely enough, most people prefer the rack to my concoctions. So that's another thing. Uh, that you come to find out about Nissan's, there are lots of like uh, drugs and sub- like substances to alter your perception that they're kind of, well, pretty much all on to some degree or another. And that's like they're the poisoners, like that's what they use. Mm-hmm. And so... Okay they get taken down to the cellars and locked up. And Puck and Garion, well, he's just terrified. Mm-hmm. In a cell all by, so they're not together, they're in separate cells. Yeah, it has like just a couple of paragraphs of him sitting there alone and you feel real bad for him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that moment. But then thankfully he doesn't have to wait too long. Uh, no. 
No, so he he's sort of he's, he's like he's petrified, sitting in the dark, stinky kind of cell. Mm-hmm. He can hear someone sort of screaming in one direction and someone laughing insanely, like just on repeat in another. And you know, it's, the walls are slimy stone, and his imagination's just working overtime. And poor darling. Poor, poor darling. And, you know, time sort of stood still. He doesn't know what's going on. And he hears someone scraping at the door and he yells, go away. Like, he's so scared. Uh, but it's Silk. And Silk's like, oh, keep your voice down. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like this whole um, Yeah, so you go here. This is, this is such a cool scene. I love this scene. <laughs> Well, I like how it just starts with him trying to open the locks and he's complaining about the rust. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, it's kind of like they're in this hurry to get out, but he's just taking the extra moments to sit and complain. I don't think he's sitting there. I think he's complaining as he's doing it. It's kind of like... Silk's picking the locks (laughs) of the cells. Yeah, he's picking all the locks and letting them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Garyan gets out of the cell and he sees Aunt Pole just right there. So, I mean, he instantly goes to her and takes her a moment to kind of yeah. open up to him, but she does and just holds him. Yeah, yeah. So, and so it keeps going, you know, opening the doors and swearing about the rust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and there's just a little bit of like there's a bit of banter between Barrack and Silk which is cool as they do mm-hmm. you know Aunt Paul's like primly puts her cloak over one arm and she's just I can just see her standing there going oh look, can we just get on with this stop talking just get on with it <laughs> yeah she also has a very uh, Mary Poppins kind of vibe Oh my goodness, she does a bit, hey, <laughs> in this one, like yeah. standing there with the, the, the cloak over one arm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In the dungeons. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking of Mary Poppins, even in the new one they did, um, how she's always just, let's just I haven't on seen with it. it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. It's the so new one. good. Is it? It makes me, it makes me cry tears of joy <gasps> because it oh, does such a good job. It's bringing- going on my list bringing the wonder back into your life and yeah and i'm just just like these are what we need more of these (gasps) movies that's why i write my books oh my god because we need more of this great idea for a little sideshow for for patrons okay we can like pick a movie and talk about a movie oh yeah the ones that are like magic magical based like what we do with this one like mary poppins yeah, that would be so fun. <gasps> okay. You know what they used to do on Harry Potter podcasts or on MuggleCast? What? Is, um, with the movies, because they had movies for them, they would actually watch the movie live. Yeah. And they'd, like, it would start and they'd be like, okay, everybody click play when we say three. One, two, three, play. And then so everybody would be, and you'd listen, and you'd hit play when they say play. So it's like you, the, the listeners watched it with you and you would yeah. kind of just talk about it as it was happening <gasps> oh which i always loved that i always loved that I, I would be nerd out and hit play and just watching and listen to them talk and it was just like nerd heaven oh my god <laughs> so many things that we have to do oh 
it's so much work guys i'm really trying to get it all done for you but it's just it's not quite ready i want to have lots and That's lots okay. of stuff there for you so that when you come in there's like super duper value for you all because i just want that for you anyway back to the dungeons yes sidetracked <laughs> Uh, so, Mr. Wolf, <laughs> Silk opens his door and Mr. Wolf's just like, oh, is all this talking really necessary? They're like a flock of geese out here. <laughs> <laughs> and then we find out that uh, Barracks already knocked out the guard at the top of the stairs. So, and there are a few other guards, but they're sleeping too now, says Barrack. Mm-hmm. And then Wolf's like, yeah, well, let's just fucking get out of here. And Aunt Paul is quite determined to take a diss with them because she wants to talk, in quote, like air quotes, talk with him at great length. Yeah. Um, but what did, like, what did you think of this next bit? Like Wolf's, uh, Wolf's reaction to that? Uh, let me find it. I think I went farther ahead. Oh, that's okay. So Wolf's like, it would just be a waste of time. Oh, there it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's his um, idea that he has this perspective that mm-hmm. nobody else does of like all yep. time yep. since the beginning of time. And it's just kind of like, this is just a little misstep that we don't really need to get involved with. That's interesting observation, actually. Polgara's perspective is not as broad as wolf's yeah mm-hmm. yeah i've noticed that before yeah yeah it's um, like she has more ability to stretch her mind but that's not the same as being able to see the full picture yeah it's different Remember we talked yeah. last week about yes. she seems well stretch- i didn't i didn't i didn't elaborate too much on that because there it I don't want to spoil things for you. I mean, I'm sure there's more to come with Wolf. What we'll see, he's able to do. But, but as of yeah, now, yeah. But they, but they, but they, they do seem to have different abilities. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that the man and the woman, one, the, the woman, she's the more intuitive on certain things. He's yeah. intuitive too. I mean, he's very yeah, yeah. intuitive. Well, I think that he's just very experienced. (laughs) Yeah. They've been around for thousands of years. Anyway, so he's just like, well, it doesn't matter. She's involved herself and that's all we need to know. That's that's about it. So let's just get out of here. And they go past, um, they go down another corridor and they hear a couple of torturers' voices from behind a closed door. And seems really loud in this gloomy dungeon place. And one of them is is saying, sounding really shocked and like asking, what did I do wrong? And another, the other voice says, well, you pull too hard. You know, when you've got them on the rack, you've got to just slow and consistent. If you jerk it, you pull their arms out of the sockets and they might die. (laughs) So he's like, you just pull too hard. They fainted. And um, nice, but it was like, you know, you're doing fine. The rack's always tricky. 
Yeah. Aunt These Paul are obviously twisted <laughs> men here we're dealing with. Yeah, so Aunt Paul doesn't like that very much. No. It describes her as going rigid and her eyes blazing. And then she makes a small gesture and whispers something and Garion hears a brief hushed sound murmur in his mind. And mm. then all of a sudden the two people start talking about that they don't feel very well. And, well, we thought the meat that we ate for dinner was good, but now I'm really not so sure. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of hoping for a moment of them, like, like they hear the splatter on the floor or something. Uh, or like, running, they're running down the hall. <laughs> You're <the> disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess that's another um, Song of Ice and Fire attribute that you get in those oh, stories. Oh, lovely. Lovely. <laughs> but anyway, this next little bit is funny because um, they can hear the people coming and Wolf turns around really quickly to the door of a nearby cell. Did you catch this? And he touches his mm-hmm. fingers to the lock and it just clicks smoothly, opens, and he says, get out quick in here. <laughs> yeah. so and then silk you talk about silk <laughs> yeah it's silk's reaction is great because it's like he spent this whole time uh, messing with these rusted locks and complaining and obviously we'll hurt him doing it yeah. he's like um next time can you tell me about this like, before i spend my time <laughs> So that was some good humor. Yeah, and we'll say, oh, you're having such a good time. I didn't want to interfere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and then they go out and you can see here that um, Mander Island asks how many and, you know, Dernick's like, I can't tell. And Aunt Paul very firmly says eight. So mm-hmm. she's, again, reached out with her mind to see how many Mm-hmm. different minds she can sense yeah yeah so it's becoming like as we go along it's becoming their 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 magic is becoming more like like a dialogue like part of the dialogue of just part of the way that they move through the the scenes mm-hmm. it's yeah. that's what it seems like, like. I like, yeah, how it's a gradual kind of shift into it. You know, yep. just all of a sudden, boom, they have powers and here they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so they all get out and uh, they have a, well, they have a fight mm-hmm. um, to get out. So it's a, it's a short, ugly fight. And they just sort of really um, like all over the jailers and beat them up and, um, I really liked, yeah. I really liked um, Dernick's part in this. Oh, me too. I, I wanted to talk about Dernick's part as well, but like when they're yeah. in the like in the middle of it, Garion even gets in amongst it. He sort of dives in front of a running man and tangles up in his feet and trips him over, and you know, and then Silk just kicks him, and, you know, finishes him off. <laughs> so that you know they're all in there, and then okay, you talk about Dernick. <laughs> Yeah, it just, it surprised me because it seemed mm-hmm. so unlike him. Yes, that's what I wanted to talk about. He was about. bashing a man's head. I mean, maybe he didn't have a weapon on him, but he was just bashing this guy's head into the wall. Yeah. Well, and he to me... I don't think he does carry a weapon. 
He's yeah. usually like he. It's he's usually um, described as finding a cudgel or a, a stout piece of wood or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. It just seemed so violent for him, and then that that yeah. last moment where yeah, kind of like all right, we're ready to go, and then Dernick has to just smash it one more time. And yeah, like, yeah and let's go. <laughs> it seems like he's taken on a bit of a casual like he seems very blasé about doing real damage to this person and it really Mm. wasn't so long ago that you know he was no it just feels like it's interesting to me that he is extremely bothered by a possible the possibility of an affair Mm -hmm. but he has no problem smashing someone's head into a wall and not feeling gross about that yeah okay but this is a very like they haven't I know been they don't on have this a choice. journey no no but they haven't been on this journey for very long and mm-hmm. this way of casual violence is a really new thing for journey right like, you remember back when he hit the when he killed the guy in the forest he was devastated Mm-hmm. And I realise that this is not killing a guy, but it could be because he's really cracking that guy's skull against the wall. Yeah, we don't know if he's dead or not. I thought he was dead. And honestly. so I'm just like, I just don't know if this is, if, like, do we It just seems really this? out of character yeah. unless it's explained later on why yeah. he did it. I mean, I don't Otherwise, know. It feels like a very rapid descent into casual violence for someone who was so opposed to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so that's really, you know, anyway. Tell <laughs> what you think, listeners. How do you feel about Dernick's descent? Oh, episode title. No, hashtag. <laughs> write that down. Descent. Someone write that down. I got it. Okay. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so they're all very happy with their little fight and and off they go and they're sneak, sneak, sneaking and Garion feels much better after he's got his sword belted back on because um, Silk sort of disappears for a minute and for, for a little while and comes back with all of their gear. Yep. And, you know, so they've all got their weapons back. And as they're leaving, they can hear... Yadis and Count Dravor's voices from behind a partially open door and they're talking about <laughs> colours. What did you think yeah. about this? Uh, well, it just kind of proved my point at the beginning when I thought that um, he seemed sick. It's clear that they're giving him something that's making him this way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right now he's asking for the green He's like, the red tastes better, but it gives me bad dreams. Hmm. The green He's doesn't taste so good, but the dreams are so much nicer. Yeah. And then uh, Edis is like, soon you'll be ready for the blue and then the yellow. And finally the black, that's best of all. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I'm like, wow, these are like seriously like... And you know what I thought, though? I'm like, okay, I can see that the more and more powerful narcotics, you know, hallucinogens or whatever, but why would you do that to the person you work for? 
because chances are that shit's going to kill them or incapacitate them, like, past the point of any return, I imagine. Like, if you've got to do some serious conditioning to get to the black. Well, I, I would think... I just assumed that these, uh, what are they called? Nissans. Maybe it's just that what Nissans. they enjoy doing. Like, this is fun. They don't seem like very nice people. And I, I just assumed that, like, they were trying to take over, like, this guy's oh. and be the voice, like, be mm-hmm. his voice. Oh, that's possible. They, they could have all the power, but he's still sitting there. So people, and he's still speaking what they're feeding him, like, the information. You know what? Uh-huh. This is totally, this is totally Lord of the Rings. The King of Rohan being poisoned by, <gasps> by what's that guy's name? By, um, Wormtongue? By Wormtongue. By, well, it wasn't really Wormtongue. It was, um, um. Yeah, it was the other white wizard guy. Uh, Saruman. 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 And like, well, I've got, I know it's Saruman because I am currently, I'm currently with Sam and Frodo in the desert of Mordor and they're approaching Mount Doom. I'm right at the end of Return of the King. Oh, very excited. I just got goosebumps thinking about it. that's where I am. And it's so, it's so like, I'm trying, I'm really having to slow myself down, slow myself, read the words, read the words because I'm like so excited. And it's like, I want to, even though I've read it, you know, a few times before, I'm like, oh, it's exciting every time. Yeah. Yeah, Saruman. Yeah, he was the one doing it, but mm. through Wormtongue. So, I mean, to me, it's kind of like, well, it's obviously the queen. Mm. Was her Salmisra? Salmisra. She's probably telling him to do it. So she probably has some agenda. That's how I would interpret oh, it. Oh, that's a really, yep. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, and then they leave and they're off. And Wolf's like, well, we better hurry. And Silk's like, hey, 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 hey. I know. <laughs> he always has a backup. Always has a backup. <laughs> Silk's amazing. He's like, well, you know, I set fire to the kitchens. <laughs> 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 That'll keep him busy for a while. And I just love how Aunt Paul, um, she's like, hey, hey. she's like, yeah, I like that. Well done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is, it's thinking ahead, you know. Yes. Which he always Somebody who's does. been in that situation before Very knows. Nice. And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. I didn't choose a book. We're not there yet. <laughs> Rewind. Okay, magic. <laughs> <laughs> What's, do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. So my magic, magic. Is, my magic is Mr. Wolf unlocking the jail cell. <laughs> so mm. casual, so cool and sassy. <laughs> Just, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite bit. Yeah, that was a good one. I had picked something else, but I think I'm going to change mine because after we went, talked about this again, mm-hmm. I liked the moment better with Aunt Pole making those guys sick. I thought that was, <laughs> thought that was pretty cool. Very good yeah Uh, okay real life relating so we have these two segments magic and real life relating because we're talking about magical realism through the lens of fiction and so this is the part of the show where we take some magic out of the show and then we talk about something real life 
that the story has sparked in us, you know, a memory or something that's going on. Mm-hmm. So my, per- my real life relating this week is when Aunt Paul wordlessly takes Garion in her arms when he is freed from the cell. And um, it, I've been that person for my children when, when they weren't children, like weren't little children any, anymore. Like Garion's not a, a child anymore. And it's just as described so perfectly in the book, like she's standing there and it just feels like it's, it's just a simple and sort of quite a grave business. She's just standing there with a fairly blank expression and opens her arms and takes him in her arms because he's been terrified and it's a really dark situation and it feels really heavy. And um, I've been that for my girls Mm -hmm. and I just really recognized that um, little connection I felt yeah I felt that yeah that's a good one I also chose an Aunt Paul moments it's it's also like a motherly thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) when when they threaten Gary and with the knife to his back and she instantly reacts without, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. she doesn't care what, what the result is. She just has to react to defend him and make yep. sure they don't hurt him. Yep, yep. It's the same kind of thing. And it's, I did it too with friends growing up, but more as like a mother, you know, yeah. when you're, when you're, and, and there's times too, I think though, where you have to learn to like let your child be threatened a little bit if it's not, uh-huh. if it's not like life threatening. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that's how they grow and learn too. So. And that shit is hard. I'm telling you. I know. I know. That's the hardest thing to do is to step back and not do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on to prophecy speaks. Cool. So I've so, got to choose a book. Hang on, I'm just going to grab one off my shelf. Okay. Oh, I'm being very daring today. I just turned around and grabbed the first one my hand touched. Oh, oh, that'll be fun. Okay. So. <laughs> ah, so this week, I don't need to do a check-in about last week. I'll, I might... Um, build on that question I asked last week again in later shows see how that goes if I need more answers but okay. um I'm pr- <laughs> I'll talk about, I'll talk about it again in a few weeks <laughs> <laughs> but um this week I'm I've been thinking about um I can feel myself getting distracted again uh, my new shiny projects and things calling me to learn about me learn about me namely astrology because it's just fascinating and uh, this is what I do this is what I do and so every time I say okay writing is my focus books are my focus everything else is peripheral to that but books are the core and I can feel myself pulling away from it again and so my question is if I make writing my focus like really concentrate on that as the core of my business what does my life look like five years from now? That's a good question. 
I often wonder that myself. <laughs> so I don't know what the hell's going to come out of this because the book that I chose is The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Ooh. Do you know it? No. Is it like a children's book? Well, um, I guess it's by John Boyne, but it's, it's about a nine-year-old boy although this isn't a book for nine-year-olds. And I won't give it away, but uh, I'll just read a little bit off the back of the book. I'll read the whole back of the book because (laughs) it's a really important book and then I'll read from my prophecy. The story of the boy in the striped pyjamas is is very difficult to describe. Usually we give some clues about the book on the cover, but in this case we think that would spoil the reading of the book. We think it is important that you start to read without knowing what it's about. If you do start to read this book, you will go on a journey with a nine-year-old boy called Bruno, though this isn't a book for nine-year-olds. And sooner or later, you will arrive with Bruno at a fence. Fences like this exist all over the world. We hope you never have to cross such a fence. Mm. Uh, That's intriguing. And I haven't read the book, but I do know what it's about. Okay. Um, and it's a book I've deliberately not avoided, like I've deliberately avoided reading for many years because I know I'll just cry. Well, I assume I will. That's a big assumption, but anyway. This- kind of like the story of movie bingo not bingo (laughs) what is that dog's name b-i-n-g-o b-i-n-g-o it's the other dog (laughs) that's the movie i just watched it with my kids and i cried through the whole thing i can't watch dog movies they always make me cry benji benji Benji. (laughs) that story breaks my heart yeah (laughs) even though it's happy at the end I wonder if I fragmented my energy too much. Now I have to ask the question again. If I make writing my focus, really concentrate on that as the core of my business, what does my life look like five years from now? The countryside? Yes, it's the only explanation. Don't you see? When we're at home in Berlin, we're in the city. That's why there are so many people and so many houses and the schools are full and you can't make your way through the centre of town on a Saturday afternoon without getting pushed from pillar to post. Yes, said Bruno, nodding his head, trying to keep up. But we learned in geography class that in the countryside where all the farmers are and the animals and they grow all the food, there are huge areas like this where people live and work and send all the food to feed us. She looked out of the window again at the huge area spread out before her and in the distances that existed between each of the huts. This must be it. It's the countryside. Perhaps this is our holiday home, she added hopefully. Bruno thought about it and shook his head. I don't think so, he said with great conviction. You're nine, countered Gretel. How would you know? When you get to my age, you'll understand these things a lot better. I feel a bit dizzy. Yeah. You're very animated with the voices. That was good. 
thank you. <laughs> I've been practicing. I'm going to start <laughs> recording an audio book, uh, audio for uh, one of my audio books soon. So. <laughs> Oh, cool. cool. Okay, so I am getting from that freedom, mm -hmm. which is kind of ironic considering the book, but that is definitely the sense that I get freedom and like we have this vision of living away from everyone in the cut in like in the forest somewhere uh -huh. that's what we want yeah where we can both you know Hanukkah can pursue her music and her composing we can create the meditations together I can do my writing and all my virtual stuff and we just have our own little you know our own place in the woods that's the dream and I kind of got that yeah, from that piece. Did, did you? I did. Yeah, I did. I definitely did. Like, I always envision. Like, I don't know what your area looks like around your house, but I always envision it in my mind is like this big open country mm -hmm. that you guys just hang out in the woods and stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, not quite, but more than we used to. We're getting closer and closer, you know, in that direction. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think, yeah, you, you stay true to your writing because yeah. that is your main passion. Yes. You know? It's hard. I get it. Just remind me when I start talking about my next wild and wonderful the other, side project. Yeah, I That's, I mean, the other thing too, you already have some really big projects underway. I don't yeah. think I don't need that, that are already, already going to take away from your writing a bit. So yeah. You have enough. I have it. I do. I have enough. I have enough. Enough, enough, enough. Okay, your turn. <laughs> okay. I had to ask this question because it's been on my mind a lot. Um, I'm ready to make money. Uh, be very honest. My books don't make any money right now. And I have no other source of income. I'm grateful to have a partner who has been supporting me for the last year while I have written my books, but I want to make my own money. And so I just want some guidance on that because I too want my writing to be my focus. And I would really love that to be my money income, but that's my question is what guidance. And then the book I'm reading, reading, uh, using is Caraval, by Stephanie Garber. It's a great book. Oh, yeah. I do want to read that book. Fantasy. I haven't even read the second one. I think there's a two it's and three. It's got such a great cover. I know. It's so pretty. I was just like, you know how they do the grooves when it's really fancy covers and they have the grooves. Oh, the embossed, the debossed. Yeah. Okay. The couple brightens. Oh, thank you, miss. Yesternight when we made it to our room everything was picked clean we are oh, we we were just hoping for some bit of a clue the mention of tella's scavenged room set something ablaze inside of scarlet yet the couple looked so sincere they didn't seem to be mercenaries who would sell things to the highest bidder their threadbare clothes were in worse shape than scarlet's blackened dress Yet their clasped hands look, 
and hopeful expressions reminded her <clears throat> of what the game was meant to be or what she thought it was meant to be. <clears throat> Joy, magic, wonder. I wish I could tell you where my sister was, but I haven't seen her since I... Scarlet hesitated as their faces fell and she remembered how Aiko had said people at Caraval didn't expect or want the truth. They came here, they come here for an adventure. You might as well give them one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, I mean, I definitely see parallels between money and like the reference to these this old couple and these clothes that are in worse shape than hers but they have hopeful expressions that reminded her of joy magic and wonder mm -hmm. but i don't really see any pointers here like i was pointing <laughs> me in any way <laughs> okay may i i know yeah <laughs> so when you hyper focus on wanting on something that you're trying to attract you're also saying very loudly i don't have that mm -hmm. it's a dual internal awareness or statement so as much as you say, okay, this is where I want to go. This is what I want to attract. By saying that, you're saying that you don't have it and that's why you want it. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of, I can feel a lot of mindset stuff going on in there. And I know that it's really boring and maybe not very helpful. The focus on what brings you joy yeah like mm -hmm. i've watched you go down this path before i know that's why and i'm like I've, I've taken my focus off of money for so long and it still hasn't shown up i just I've you know seen, so i'm like and i've seen you get so unhappy mm -hmm. and i don't have any answers i'm just telling you what i what your prophecy is telling me yeah Where's your head at? Where's your focus? Where's your joy? I feel like it's been on the books I've been reading. Okay. That's where my focus is. That's literally all I do in between I is just read those books on repeat. And I must say also, every time you talk about your new nonfiction book, you light up. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It changed me as a person writing that book. I was so, changed after I wrote it. So don't stop. Don't assume you only have one of those in you. Yeah, I know. I think I. I don't know if I need to give time for the next one, or if I just need to um, kind of let it come to me of what it would be, because I have the already idea of one that would kind of be a sequel to that. But mm -hmm. anyways, that's off topic. But yeah, I, yeah. It's not I think off topic I, at all. Do not dismiss yourself like that, madam. <laughs> I think I'm just, I'm trying to be, um, be that peace and joy and all that. And um, by appreciating what I have and enjoying my writing and all that. And I feel like I've been doing that for a while now. And mm. I think it I really, 
I mean, for you and I, it comes down to building a body of work. And that doesn't mean three or four books. That means a body of work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can see that. I do think that this nonfiction, though, is going to have a big shift for me. Yeah, and I think that's a nice... I, I enjoy the balance between the nonfiction stuff that I create and the fiction stuff that I create. It's a nice, it just helps. I don't know. It feels more rounded. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It was nice don't to write give it. Up. Don't give up, babe. Just keep following the joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. That's I know I'm you doing. didn't want to hear that. You're like, ah, shit. No, I I just because I've been using the cards, of course, and always it pulls one like all is well or <laughs> I won't trust that shit. Everything's in divine <laughs> order, and I'm just kind of like, okay, oh, I get it. Like I'm on the path. Like I just gotta keep doing what I'm doing. But yeah, we yeah. are about to be out of money, and I don't I don't want to run out. Yeah, when that's where the raggedy images are coming in. Yeah, I'm sorry, honey. It's okay. <laughs> it will be over soon. I know. I've 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 done readings before for myself where I'm like, I don't like. No, I don't want that answer. I'm doing this shit again till I get the answer I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to try hard not to do that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. That's the end of prophecy speaks. Yep. prediction next chapter oh actually okay. before we do that last week you said we'll find out who count dravor is and what he wants with the group i think the threat of this count will pass quickly once they get there and you that was like <laughs> i'm like ding 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 you got it yeah yeah i was surprised i was surprised there was a threat at all honestly but they got out really fast so mm-hmm. so you totally nailed that prediction <laughs> Well done. Cool. It's been a while since I got one. <laughs> uh, next chapter, I put maybe Leldrin, I'm hoping. It's just a hope. Mm-hmm. And that they will be followed by some of Count Drevor's men and have to lose them. So they'll have to like do some quick mm-hmm. maneuvering to get the, you know, lose track of them. And that something else unexpected that even maybe Wolf and Aunt Paul won't see coming is going to happen to them while they're on the run on the road again okay oh I like that prediction (laughs) I want to read the next chapter now and find out if you're right yeah me too okay oh well we're at the end of the chapter end of the episode not the end of the chapter. That was a while ago. We're at the end of the episode <laughs> and I'm tired and I have a cut on my finger. It's starting to throb. I might oh, need a medicinal cookie. Yeah. Oh. So if you're at the end of the episode with us, darling listeners, thank you for hanging around. If you want to talk about this episode specifically, please use the hashtag Descent. And you can find us at our website, belgariadandbeyond.goddesskindled.com. 
and there are all the clickable links there and the extended show notes and everything, lots of stuff. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram actually posted a couple of new things. That's exciting. But Facebook <laughs> definitely at Belgariad and beyond. And I think I talked about all the things, but I put out, I put show notes that have lots of interesting things and weird stuff and clickable things and photos and funny <laughs> things. So go to the website and check it out. Yeah. And we are still waiting for some awesome reviews on iTunes as well. So if you're feeling generous this week, we'd appreciate it. Absolutely. And we got a couple of new um, subscribers to the mailing list, which is fun. So if you, if you haven't subscribed to the mailing list, but you follow the podcast, head over to the website and click on the subscribe and you'll get the show notes in like, it, like they'll be emailed to you every week. And if, if I have enough people on the list, I'll like, we'll start sending out like little hellos and extra things. And, you know, definitely everybody on the mailing list will find out when we do special stuff, like special shows and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we start making those Patreon offers and the stuff that, you know, the really geeky, cool stuff, <laughs> if you're really interested in that, make sure you're on the mailing list so that, you know, you can find out about them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Whenever you are interested in anything at all, you must be on the mailing list. Oh, it's the best way to, you know, to stay in contact. Cause it, and it really is us on the other side of the emails. It's not some machine right you know. <laughs> yep so go sign up <laughs> <laughs> is that everything did we say everything i think so i've gone a bit at it i've gone a bit la la yeah i think it was after that um <laughs> the your prophecy that you did you said you got a little dizzy i did i did that was a big one it didn't f- like deceptively large prophecy that was like the big gong ringing like mm-hmm. well, I can feel the, vibe, the, the the reverberations of it yeah so that's pretty cool mm-hmm. okay yep. that's it I think we're done for this week okay well we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in everybody bye everyone can't say it's not the not the answer I wanted because totally was but I wasn't expecting (laughs) it like yeah